Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. You may, you may be a freshman and you say, well, I don't really know anything. There are people who need the Holy Spirit that you have in you, what knowledge you have about Jesus that's in you. They need to hear your testimony. And they're out there in this world, in this city. They need to hear from you. And they need for you to open your mouth and not be afraid to say, let me be a disciple. Um, because someone is pouring into me. And they're not just pouring into me so that I can just get flat and gluttonous. But they want me to exercise that word, live it in my life, and then show others how to live that as well. So this jumps right in. We, we've done Proverbs 1, 2, and 3, and we're going to cover 4 and 5 um, today. Just real quick, it's not a whole lot. We're going to jump around. Um, we're going to start in chapter 4, um, talking about wisdom again. And this title is Prioritize Wisdom and a Warning Against Evil. Chapter 4 really tells us about the priority of wisdom. And then 5 gets into warning us against evil. Uh, and right away, it starts out by, Hear my children the instruction of a father. And give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and only uh, only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said unto me, Let your heart retain my words and keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. So right away we look at generational wisdom. He starts out by saying, hey, look, this is what my father told me when I was a little kid. And now I'm passing this on to you. And this is family discipleship. Um, that we should be discipling first our own families. Our brothers and sisters, our, my, my, as a father, discipling my children. Uh, and then as older siblings, you may be discipling younger siblings. Uh, but more importantly, your testimony is important to your, your family, your lineage. That testimony, your children should know. So I was looking at something, I was like, man, I don't know if my children know my testimony. How the Lord saved me and how was, I was a mess. And they may still agree that uh, I'm a mess now. But <laughs> I was even worse of a mess uh, back in 1993 when the Lord caught hold of my heart um, on the campus of NC State. So uh, they need to know that testimony. They need to know that I was a wretch undone. That's not a story that they hear, but it's a, it's a real-life testimony that, hey, this is what the Lord did for me. And this is why you bear the fruit of that grace and mercy, that he changed my life first. And it's so powerful in that testimony because you're the real-life example. You don't have to talk about someone else's story or the story you heard down the road or the next town over. You are the real-life example of what the Lord has done for you in your life, to your children. And so they may wonder, I cannot imagine mom and dad living that kind of lifestyle. Well, yes, they may not tell you. <laughs> they may not want you to know some of the things that they did. But they were wretches such as I. <laughs> and the Lord saved them. And it is so important for our children to know that. So that they can be a witness and say, God, if he, if the Lord can do it for my mom and dad, then surely they can change me. That I don't have to be in the state that I am. 
And maybe you're saved. Maybe your parents told you their testimony and that was a witness for you. And you're able to share that testimony with your children and with your children's children and how that impacted a generation and a generation and a generation because in 1993 or whatever year, 73, 75, 89, 2000, some of you are really young, so we'll say even 2019, (laughs) that you accepted Christ in your life. And now that has impacted not just you, but the generation to come and the generation after. Because generational wisdom is in the testimony that we have. Share it with your children. Let that wisdom rule in their hearts. That they know the love of Christ that ran after you and caught you. And now that same love is running after them and can so catch them. Let wisdom rule in your heart, he says. And the heart here is the heart uh, is the inner man, the mind, the will, the soul, the understanding. So it says, let wisdom, let the wisdom of God rule in your heart, your inner mind, your soul, your emotions. Uh, some people call it the seat of the emotions or the passions of the of your emotions. And this lets me know here that when it talks about let the let wisdom rule here, because so many times we allow our emotions to rule and not wisdom. And so sometimes emotions become an idol in our life. Everything is based off of our emotions. Everything, I filter everything through my emotions because they're most important to me, right? It's what I guard, what I keep above all else is my emotions. You offend me. Because that's my emotions. I don't like something because of my emotions, the seed of my emotions, my passions. And so that becomes sometimes an idol in our lives. We hold our emotions above everything and everyone else. And everyone has to respond to us based off of our emotions. But the word says, let wisdom rule in your emotions. So that wisdom is the word of the Lord, not your emotions outside of the word, but let the word rule your emotions, not your emotions rule the word. So many times we allow our emotions to rule the word, or the word isn't even in our emotions, and we just allow our emotions to rule. That's so important. I I don't want you to miss that, because some of you are probably even offended now that I even said, don't allow your emotions to rule. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about my emotions? That's my emotions. Don't allow your emotions to rule, but allow the wisdom of the word to rule your emotions. It should be filtered through the word of the Lord. So when your emotions say something negative about you, what you should do is say, what does the word say about me? When your emotions say, well, you're no good, dirty dog, I need to look at the word. and What does the word say about me? Not my emotions. My emotions may have me crying and upset because someone didn't speak to me today. But the truth of the matter is, what does the word say about who I am and what I am? And I'm going to get ahead of myself here because so much of what we do is ruled by our emotions. We see this in the world today. Everyone is ruled by their own truth. And then you say, well, live your truth, not live the truth, but live your truth. And so when your emotions are outside of the word of God, 
that that holds true that that that's your lived truth right here. Yeah, and that's scary, right? <laughs> because if you look at them, I'm jump ahead of myself. If you look at Matthew 15, 1 through 19, it talks about what our emotions are, what is, what is in the seat of our emotions. And we can jump there. Well, I might as well go ahead on <laughs> while we're here. Uh, Matthew 15, 1 through 19, it says, I'm going to turn there. It says, the, then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do you disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, why you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? So here are the Pharisees upset because they didn't wash their hands. And it is just like, like our emotions to be concerned about the outward. And not really know what the inward is. <laughs> and so they were in their emotions. Uh, verse 4 says, For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father and mother. So then here is your emotions are telling the word of God what to do and not the word of God dictating to your emotions what you should do. So they've perverted the word of God and said, hey, well, what we can do now is just say whatever we were going to give our mother and father, we're going to give it to the Lord, and that honors them also. But that's not what the word says. The word says honor your mother and father, not honor the Lord, and then, you know, take care of your mom and father if you want to. That's not what the word says. But they were perverted that word. Then he needed not honor his father and mother. That's what they, they wanted to get out of honoring their mother and father. So they made up a, an escape route, an escape hatch. It says, hey, well, if you honor me, then you don't have to take care of your mother and father. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrite. Will, did, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, the people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts... The seed of your emotions is far from me. That's what you're So your heart, you may say things with your lips. You may say things that look like you're, you may even come to church. But your heart is far from God. He says, you're vain in their worship. You're you're teaching back doctrines. You're not following my commandments. And says, teaching as doctrines of commandments of men, followed by their emotions and not the word of God. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, do what, goes in, do what goes into your mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended? Ha, 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 that word. <laughs> offended by what? Their emotions when they heard this saying. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and they, they lead the blind. The blind leads the blind. Both will fall into the ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Sometimes Jesus can be a little sarcastic. Um, that's why I get it from <laughs> I get it from him sometimes. I'm like my dad. Uh, then... <laughs> Are you still without understanding? Come on, Peter. I dance, are you? Uh, do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? 
But those things which proceeded out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds, and this is where what comes out of your unrepentant heart. This is what he's telling you. This is what Jesus is saying. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. It's in red in your Bible, maybe. Um, But Jesus is saying this. (laughs) For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. That's a good word, y'all. This is what's in our hearts. And you may not admit it. You may not want to admit it. But this was what was in our heart, I should say. But we pray that your heart has been repented and you've given your life to Christ. And now the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart. And what proceeds out of that. But if it's devoid from the word of God, then this is what's in our heart. And so men can say, well, your truth, live your truth, where their truth is fornication, murder, evil thoughts, adultery, false witnesses, blasphemy. That's their truth. So they're only acting out of what's in their heart. Now, we should be sympathetic because we were once there. So I'm not going to sit on my high horse and say, well, I'm better than you now because I don't have that in my heart. Some days you may have some of those things apparent in your heart. <laughs> you have to ask for some forgiveness. But that's what's in men's hearts. And so, therefore, without devoid of the word of God, devoid of repentance, this is what comes out. And so, this is why the world looks like it looks. And we should not be surprised, because we were once on that train going right where they were going as well. (laughs) He snatched us out and saved us. But this is what proceeds out of that heart, that unrepentant heart. Uh, McLean's exposition reads, the Old Testament psychology differs from our popular allocation of certain faculties to bodily organs. Uh, We use head and heart, roughly speaking, as being respective seats of thought and emotion. But the Old Testament locates the heart as the center of everything. Your personality, not merely just your affections, but everything, your moral compass comes from your heart. If your moral compass comes from your heart and you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then your moral compass is evil thoughts, murder, adultery, false witnesses, theft. That's your moral compass. That's not a moral compass at all, is it? (laughs) Be true. As this text says, the issues of life flow from it and all its multitudes and all its variety forms flow from the heart. The stream parts of the many, the many heads, but it's come from one fountain. So there are many different things coming out of that heart, but it's all coming from one way, that one fountain. To the Hebrew thinkers, the heart was the indivisible central unity which manifested itself in the whole of the outward life. As a man think it, his heart is also. The heart of a man. And that personal center has moral character which comes to light and gives unity and character to all and all its deeds. So if your heart is stinky, when your thinking is stinky, and your actions are stinky, you get where I'm going. <laughs> 
Solemn thought that everyone has, one of us has a definite moral character and that our deeds are not accidental. They're not set, um, they're, we're just not going with the flow, but we thought this stuff out, unfortunately. And it comes from our inner fountain. And it needs to be driven home that our consciousness outside of the word of God and the Holy Spirit is bad. But unfortunately, we lean so heavily on our own consciousness our own feelings, our own emotions. They rule the day. They mean so much to us. It means so much to us because it is the essence of who we are outside of God. So that battle that we fight is due to that moral compass, that unrepentant heart. So we must well focus on the word of God being the standard that rules our life, that rules our emotions, and not our emotions ruling everything else. Um, the counsel in the Proverbs is not mere toothless moral commonplace, um, but it talks about how we must trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding, which we find out in Proverbs 1. That's where that comes from. That's why you can't lean to your own understanding. Your understanding is murderous. <laughs> it's false. It's ugly. Don't lean to that, but lean to the character and the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done. <clears throat> the heart that so trusts will be safely guarded, and only such a heart will be. The inherent weakness of all attempts of self-keeping. So this is the importance of Making sure that, so we try to self-keep our hearts. So it talks about guarding your heart. And I, I, like I said, I just jumped ahead. I, don't, I feel sorry for the person who's trying to keep up with me in this. Because um, <laughs> my notes, <laughs> I went, I don't even know where I am right now either. We're going to keep going though. Uh, it talks about guarding your heart. And, 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 and studying, I was looking at, you know, what, what can I do to guard my heart? But the truth is, I can't guard my heart outside of the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. Because if I am the moral compass, and this is the stuff that's coming out of my moral compass, I can't guard it. So they gave me an example of, you know, you have treacherous traitors within your uh, platoon, and they're responsible for guarding the fort. They can't guard the fort. They're traitors. (laughs) You can't self-police those who are evil, right? You're you're the ones who are doing the bad, and you're going to say, now, well, let me guard this. No, I can't let you guard it. You're the, this is where the problems came from, from you. You see this sometimes in, in, in uh, any kind of agency that says when they do wrong and they get a complaint, well, we're going to look into it ourselves. Well, <laughs> you're the problem. <laughs> you're going to look into yourself and find out what's wrong? No way. You can't do that. It has to be an outside agency, right, that comes in and says, hey, this is what we do. What is the outside agency? The Holy Spirit that comes into our hearts and says, hey, this is wrong. All of it's wrong. Let's just get rid of the whole thing. Because <laughs> we need a new heart. That's the word. We have to have a new heart. <clears throat> John seven thirty-seven through 39 says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, Out of his heart 
will flow rivers of living water. Mm, That's good. He who believes in me. And then in 39 says, but he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet given, had been given, but Jesus was not yet glorified. The Holy Spirit is what we need to be the guarding, to guard our hearts. <coughs> Outside of that, it, it can't be done. You can't self-guard because your intentions are wrong. And you give yourself so much grace, right? Which is good. I mean, I appreciate the grace that I give myself. I don't give that to others, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but I could do all the wrong in the world, but I'll find an excuse for why I did that wrong and make an excuse for it, an exception for it, and say, okay, it was all right because I, you know, I'm self-guarding. Yeah, that's what you do. You make excuses for that. When the Holy Spirit comes in with conviction and says, hey, you're wrong, and you need to change. You need to repent. You can't do that again. My garden says, go do it again. (laughs) That's why you can't guard your heart. We need, outside the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to guard our heart. And then I, I need to get to, uh, it says, do not let your mouth deceive you, deceitful, perverse, that goes down in uh, chapter 4. Uh, like I said, I jumped around so much now, I don't know where I am. But we're going to keep moving on. So, <laughs> uh, talks about being deceitful and not, not allowing your mouth to say deceitful things. And then uh, in, the, uh, in the final verses of 4, uh, let me see there, 24 talks about being deceitful. Uh, put, away from, put away from a deceitful mouth. Uh, and put perverse lips far away from you. So it talks about speaking evil things, speaking those perverse things uh, that come out of our mouth. Put those things away. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and uh, let your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. This is good to me, because it says, we're just not going to go with the flow. We're just not going to let life happen and just kind of go with it. But we need to ponder. Think about what you're doing. Think about the Word of God and how it's going to be reflected in your heart or through your heart. And then make a decision and let your ways be established. We don't just go willy-nilly. Well, whatever, wherever you guys go, I'm going, you know. That might work for dinner or lunch plans, <laughs> but not for life. We have to be focused on what the Word of the Lord says for me in my life. And what does he want me to do? I just can't go along with what everyone else does. And when you're young, that happens. So I I mentioned I went to NC State. I went to NC State because a good friend of mine said he was going to NC State. And I said, okay, I'll go too. (laughs) I had applied to various other colleges and was looking forward to, I was actually wanting to go to Howard University in D.C. and looking forward to going to Howard. And we're going to live my best evil life in D.C. <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> I didn't say it like that then, but I knew in my heart I'm going to live my best evil life in D.C. Uh, but the Lord saw different. He said, no, not so. And I thought it was a flippant decision, but God knows our plans, and he can make right even sometimes the wrong things that we do, or he can redeem that. And so I found myself at NC State my freshman year, uh, looking for a church to go to. Now, all the evil I was going to do, but I was still looking for a church to go to, right? <laughs> he was dealing with me. I could not leave my formative years. I went to church all the time, and so I needed to go. And so I 
went to a campus ministry there on campus, and uh, we had a reunion last weekend, so that's why we weren't here. We were visiting in that campus ministry that were a reunion for some of those students. And uh, it was really a revival. Someone said that was a revival that was going on for 40 years. The ministry started in 75 and ended in 2005. Um, little did I know I was entering into as a student, thinking I was going to do my best evil life in Raleigh at that time. Um, but God said not so and got a hold of me at that campus ministry and changed my life. And uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> and I hadn't been the same since. Uh, and then so it was just formative years and developing me uh, as a disciple, as a young person, and, uh, you know, really starting in ministry work, did it all. And that's where I met my wife. Uh, I met her when I wasn't saved at first, and I said, I can't mess with that girl because she's saved and I'm not. And then I got saved, and I said, oh, I could talk to her. <laughs> We're saved. <laughs> We're like-minded now. I knew a little bit about the word and know that I want any good or any Christian girl, so at that time. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, met her, and 25 years of marriage later, we're still chugging along. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey Amen. I'm so off. I don't know what I'm preaching on now, y'all. <laughs> so, praise the Lord. Because, actually, we're supposedly going to uh, Chapter 5, and it talks about standing away from evil, and uh, particularly sexual perversion. Uh, it talks about adultery, but I think it just included in all sexual perversion, fornication, adultery, uh, all that can be included in that. But it talks about having fidelity with the spouse of your your youth and finding joy in that. And um, and this is God's plan for our lives. This is the truth of why he says wait until you're married. Uh, enjoy each other within the confines of your marriage because you open yourself up to so much stuff when you don't follow his plan. And as freshmen, there are many, many students here today as freshmen and as a young student, even I, I'm not fooled that at a Christian university things don't go on there. I don't, don't, I'm not fooled. You might confuse other people, but just because it has liberty in front of its name, um, it, mean, it does not mean that, oh, everyone is holy and living righteous. I, 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 don't, I know that's not to be true. <laughs> to be true. Uh, and so you're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to guard your heart, even there. And if you're not there, even outside of there, you're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit, whatever college or university you're in, whatever workplace, whatever you are in life, whatever your station is, you're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to guard your heart. To keep your way from the evils that lurks around. That road is broad. and So many people are going and it looks like, hey, they're having fun. Everyone else is going that way. That way is death. Your own ways will lead you astray. So I just pray. Uh, again, Holy Spirit, guard our hearts. <laughs> we need you to guard our hearts. We cannot be the central controlling part of any of our hearts. We need that outside agency to come in and say, hey, and we need this word to be the reflection or the standard from which we live by. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. 
You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.